Hey guys, Taylor here. Just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you have the time, please like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook, Instagram, and iTunes at Dr. Script. If you want to follow us on Twitter, that would be at Dr. Script Podcast, just Dr. Script Podcast. Every little thing for us goes a long way, so we really do appreciate those likes and follows. It really helps us grow and get bigger and bigger. Anyways, I won't bother you guys anymore. Enjoy today's episode, and thanks again for listening. Gentlemen, welcome to the Dr. Script Show, where we talk about your favorite films, the good parts and the bad parts, and we give solutions to the bad parts. Today, I am graced with my lovely co-host, Dr. Sam! Wow, that's, that's truly, truly an honor. Uh, you know, as, as my friend once said, I, I'm with the force, the force is with me, and I really feel, I feel very strongly about that today. I feel strongly about that too. It's it, the force is in you. It is a uh, strong. The force is in all of us. And so, yes, as we just alluded to, we are going to talk about the first solo story in a Not Star Wars solo though. <laughs> the, first. the first story, standalone story about in the Star Wars world. Rogue One. Ah, what a time, Taylor. What are your thoughts on on Rogue One? Uh, I remember being at the theaters and walking out and liking it a lot. I still overall enjoyed it a lot, to be honest. I I think I need to watch the you know the last part of this trilogy, but I probably liked this better than I liked Force Awakens. Interesting. Yeah. I walked out of it the first time and thought it was it was all right. I had no uh, real deeper thoughts on it. I was just like, well, the characters existed and the plot existed, and that was fine. And then I watched it again recently, and I thought it was. Just a notch above okay. <laughs> just just a small notch. I liked it better this time around because I felt like I was able to, to let the characters sink in more. Where would you rank this of like the new Star Wars that would come out? Oh, the like, new Star Wars? As of talking, it's been Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Solo, and Rogue One. I think I'd probably put this one really only above Solo. I, I think that's it. I think my, I mean, my ranking is Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Rogue One, Solo. Oof. All right. Mine is I hot take. I liked The Last Jedi. Whoa, crazy. Me too. <laughs> mine was my my power rankings would be Last Jedi, Rogue One, Force Awakens, Solo. Why would you put Force Awakens so low? Well, no. <laughs> this is gonna be the worst thing ever. I mean, Solo. It's still third. I don't know how I would rank it overall. Like that's mm. another list for another time. Uh, I can I'm, do my whole list. It's we've got ten movies in here now. It's pretty. <laughs> Everyone's probably got their power rankings already. That's true. Uh, in general, like I, we actually saw Sol or Solo. We saw <laughs> Force Awakens together on uh-huh. on the big screen. I remember at, right at the end of watching Force Awakens, I turned to you and I was like, you know, I feel like I just watched A New Hope recycled. And yeah, that yeah. you know, everyone, other people felt the same way. And it wasn't like there was any specific things I didn't like about Force Awakens, but in general, I wish they had taken more risk. Sort of like in the prequels, had taken mm-hmm. risks, but like you know, the risks didn't but pay off. Better, better risks. Yeah, take it. You know, you can still risk and uh, and lose out a lot, but sometimes you bet on thirty three and it comes out thirty three. That's a roulette thing. You should bet on thirty three if you're at a casino right now. How about thirty six? Okay, we can bet on 36 as well. Let's go to the casino. Well, we'll do it after we podcast, and then 
then we'll go bet on 33 and 36. Wait, thir- I didn't, is 36 a number? Yeah, 36 is the last oh, number in roulette. Ah, oh, damn it. I, okay, let's bet on 37. <laughs> that was the joke I was trying oh, to make. come on, man. Uh, it's like you don't gamble at all as much as I do with my degenerate <laughs> gambling addiction. Yes. So anyways, enough We're- about my personal problems. <laughs> let's get into uh, what, the, what Rogue One, a Star Wars story, is all about. All right. So we open with this lonely sort of farm-esque place with Imperial shuttles coming down and the people that are living in this one farm area realize that it's happening and they all start like running around quickly being like, oh shoot, they're here, we gotta hurry, blah, blah, blah. We get a nice little cameo of blue milk. I, uh, I liked that touch. The blue milk that appears before the last Jedi blue milk? Not that. Not that. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Well, the uh, Imperial ship shows up and it's this guy named General Craddock, I think. Krennic, Krennic, something like that, and he is looking for uh, this guy named Urso, who they're trying to get, who's the best Imperial uh, engineer that they could find, and now they're trying to uh, get him and bring him on to the secret project that they're working on. Yes, it's very secret. But uh, he tells his wife and daughter that they need to run away and escape, uh, get out of there, because he'll probably be captured or killed. His wife decides that she's actually going to stay and try and help him, while making putting the her uh, daughter into a, a safe hiding location, and once she's putting her in like a safe, she doesn't even put her in the rock at the time. She just is like, "Here's a kyber crystal. The make sure the force is with you." Deuces. Bye. And that's pretty traumatizing as a kid. Yeah. Like, what? And so Urso gets confronted by Krennic, and he's Krennic is like, "Where's your wife and children?" Like, we were, or child, we were so, like, close at one point, blah, 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 you mm-hmm. betrayed me. And Urso's just like, oh, yeah, you know, they died. Yikes. And then Urso's wife comes back, and she's like, yo, F you, Krennic, blah, blah, blah. Um, she tries to shoot Krennic, and she ends up getting killed by a stormtrooper. Yep. Not a great plan. Nope, she had did not have a great plan. She was uh, probably a lovely mother during life, but we did not get to see any of her positive qualities and then. Nope. this movie. Uh, but we will come back to that later on. Yes. So anyways, Urso gets taken away by Krennic, and the Stormtroopers can't find the daughter that is hiding out in a little rock-ish thing. Later on, she gets picked up by one of Urso's friends, I think, Saw Grenick. Saw Guerrera. Guerrera, sorry. Yeah, and then he picks up this girl, and she's like, my name's Jin, and then we see the title. Yep. And no crawls. There's no crawl. No, no, no title crawl. Just Rogue One. And then we move into Jin, who is now uh, a prisoner on some uh, planet, and she is being transferred to another location. Yes. And then we see we go into this like sort of seedy underbelly of a city where there's a rebel def- or like a empire defector with another rebel there named Ka- uh, Cassian. 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 Mm-hmm. And they discuss quickly about how the empire is building this new thing also sorry they cut like 20 years ahead oh yeah it's this is like her as like a mid to late 20s girl now right so then cassian gets told about the death star basically and uh, a commotion happens that reveals their spot stormtroopers come cassian kills all of them but then also has to kill the other defector because he doesn't well he's, he's he's hurt and he's like I don't think I'm going to make it on my leg, and he just shoots him in the back of the head. Yes. Uh, Which could be seen as uh, uh, mercy, but could also could be seen as, like, you're weighing me down. Yep. Uh, it depends on how you want to view this character. Uh, but also the defector tells him about how this uh, there's another defector in the midst 
that was a cargo man for the Empire and mm-hmm. that he got kidnapped by Socorella's people. But, like, he's purposely defecting. And mm-hmm. He did not get captured. So, anyways, we go... Uh, the Cassian escapes. We go to Jin's... Uh, yeah, Jin's, like, in a cargo transfer uh, area. And then the, the, the cargo transfer stops and a bunch of people blast their way in, shoot out the stormtroopers, and take Jin out of her handcuffs, and she tries to escape. She's like, no, I'm not going with you, and she runs away, but then the robot K2SO shows up. It just grabs her and slams her to the ground. And he's like, "Uh, sorry for trying to save you, basically. (laughs) He's just like, welcome, we're here to rescue you. You're coming with us. Yep. And I think from there we go to the cargo defector, the guy who mm-hmm. was uh, not not Cassian, but this other guy named Ba Bodhi. Bodhi, Bodhi. yes, that's it. Bodhi. Uh, this guy Bodhi, who is being taken to Sagarera's men, and he's like, "I'm I'm a good guy. I swear, I left the Empire. See." And then they take him to Sagarera, and then we cut to Jin is now at the Rebel base on Yavin Four, I think. Yes, basically the Rebel base that uh, in A New Hope that they all gather at. That's where she is right now, and she's being told that her father has helped General Craddock construct this super weapon and that she needs to go to Saw Gerrera and figure out if this cargo pilot has delivered and has actually delivered a message because reasons. Yeah. Just going with that for now. And so then Cassian takes Jin and K2SO to this planet that they think the cargo guy is being holed at mm-hmm. and it's a built the city that they're going to is built on top of like the old republic jedi temple basically mm-hmm. and so it's the it's like where they the, the empire picks up all their kyber crystals and all their like lightsaber materials right and in between this we see brody get interrogated by saw mm-hmm. and not just saw we have a nice little introduction of tentacles and octopuses ah yes and saw is just like this it's very out of left field and sort of not needed in the grand scheme of things. He's just like, yes, well, no, you aren't, you aren't lying. But the downside is you'll go insane. Yeah. And so they're trying to extract the truth out of him. But he also says that sometimes it doesn't work. <laughs> and so they get the truth out of him and they don't believe him. And they just throw him in like jail again. Yep. And he, now he's just crazy for the rest of the movie. Well, uh, he's not even crazy. Well, he's just like crazy for a minute. Yeah, he's crazy for a minute, but then because of that, he gets like super nervous and stuff the whole throughout the rest of the movie, basically. And then we're we're at the planet with Jin and Cassian, and they tell K two S O to stay behind, and they're trying to infiltrate uh, the city and find just find out information where they can. Mm-hmm. And then fun little in joke, Jin bumps into the two guys that are mean to uh, Luke, Luke in the cantina, in the cantina which. Doesn't make sense because, spoiler, for about five minutes from now, the Death Star blows up the city. So how did these guys escape anyways? Yes, anyways. So they're going around just trying to get more information about Bodhi. And it's very unsuccessful until this huge fight turns out with Saw Gorilla's people and the uh, Stormtroopers. Mm -hmm. It's a really fun little action scene, to be honest. And there's this one part during the scene where... Jin sees that this little girl is in the middle of the fight crying and everything, and she risks her life to go and save the kid. 
Wow, I can't believe she saved the cat. I mean the kid. I literally have that in my notes. Uh, do we want to talk about that now, or do we want to... We'll wait to get to that later. Okay. That's just a fun joke for keep, us. Keep, uh, keep that in mind, people. Well, then they the fight happens, and Jin and Cassie and, like fight their way out. K2SO shows up and uh, helps them. Uh, and then they, they end up in this area where there's a bunch well, more stormtroopers. Well, yes, so they there's they get surrounded again. K2SO tries to like, oh no, because K2SO also is a sort of like a reprogrammed yeah. Imperial robot. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to convince them like, oh no, see, uh, these are my prisoners. Uh, I'm taking them to our prison. Just direct me in the right yeah. area. <laughs> and so they quickly get sussed out. Uh, and this is where we get the main introduction to Donnie Yang. Yeah, I, what, I forget what his character's name is, but it's Donnie Yen and his uh, sidekick. Boys. They appeared like a little bit earlier in the movie where he tries to tell Jin about what the kyber crystal around her neck means yes. and that she should uh, talk to Saw Gerrera. But there's not much after that. But then Donnie Yen, who's a like a blind follower of the Jedi, yes. uh, comes in and kicks all the ass that there is to be had uh, against the stormtroopers. And then his sidekick, who I can't remember... I think his name is like Blaz, Blaze, Blaze. Um, something Blaze. like that. His name is Baze. Cool. So uh, uh, Donnie Yen and Baze uh, come in, save the day. And Donnie Yen just kicks fucking ass, yes. dude. If you don't know Donnie Yen, he's like a star from like uh, uh, Eastern Asia. And he's like is very famous over there. So yes. feel free to very. watch any of his martial arts movies because yes. he's pretty cool. They are. But, uh, but then all of them end up getting captured by Saw Gerrera's men. And uh, Jin reveals that she is the daughter of the uh, creator of the Death Star. Yes. And so they everybody gets brought in. Cassian, Donnie Yen, and Baze all get thrown into their little jail, along with uh, Bodhi, who is now traumatized after his tentacle experience. Yes. Uh, and then, As most people are. And then no. <laughs> Jin, uh, Jin confronts uh, Saw Gerrera, who ended up grow- like raising her after her father left. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have a big confrontation where she's just like, I need my father and you were never there for me and all that classic dad stuff. Yeah. There was like an actual really interesting relationship between these guys and, uh, never, never really give it forward. Which and then, is something that I'll bring up later. Yes. We'll come back to that. Uh, Sakurara also like resembles like a root, like a robot almost like a Vader esque. He's which, basically Darth Vader without like the, like the money and the tech. To make him functioning. Yes, and uh, just as another side note, Sakura Guerrero also appears in the animated series Rebels first, mm-hmm. I believe. Maybe Clone Wars. I can't remember. Uh, which maybe one. both. I don't remember. But he's in the animated yes, one of the animated series. Big big deal. He's around. Yes. And so Saw shows him the message he got from Bodhi yes. about her father telling her about the Death Star and how Which, there's a weakness. Yeah, there's like a, a nice tender moment where the hologram of her father talks to her about uh, the Death Star and how much he misses her, but he also tells her that there's a a deep hole, like a hole that he created so that they could destroy the Death Star if someone were to fire a laser into this hole. Yes. Uh, and the he says, uh, I think that, I don't know if he says where the plans are, but basically they, they decide from there that they're going to try and rescue... Uh, Jin's father, so that he can help them destroy the Death Star. Yes, and they find, I believe they find out where her dad is. Yes, and he's on, like, one of the mining facilities, where, or the the, uh, the place where they turn the kyber crystals into the energy mm. that the Death Star needs. Okay. But before they can decide on this plan, the Death Star shows up. Yes, and this was one thing we sort of skimmed over, but we have uh, an appearance from... 
the dead in this movie. As Krennic goes up in, well, he's currently in the Death Star. Oh, yeah. He gets permission from Grand Tarkin. Grand Moff Tarkin, who the actor's been dead for over 20 years. Yes. And they decided that it was good and respectful to take that character and give him a CGI facelift on a different actor. Yes. Which, if you watch on a small screen, holds up not too bad. I remember seeing it in theaters and being like, ah, this is a monster. <laughs> but I think when they scaled it down, they probably did a little bit of enhancing between theatrical and home release. Probably. It looks a lot better now. But yeah, so basically Grand Moff Tarkin says we're going to test this out on this uh, on this town that they're all in right now. Right. So, And this is Krennic's big day to show mm-hmm. that all the work that he's put in actually will pay off and that this weapon is OG and legit. Yes. And so they fire the weapon at the city that Jin and everyone else is just at. Now they're outside on the outskirts of everything. And it just destroys everything. Like, like it's a slow, like, dust cloud of shit breaking around them. Like in like A New Hope, you don't actually get to see how the planets break apart when they shoot Alderaan. This is like where you get to see the full detail of like mm-hmm. what happens when a planet implodes. And basically when that happens, the 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 rubble is about to like come over to them and like destroy Saw's uh, like hideout. Yes. And he says, "All right, you have to get out of here. Leave now." But that's before Jin can grab the message uh, or the hologram message from him. So it's only now she knows the information, and right. Saw is too old and frail to go with them. Which was a terrible way to kill this guy off. A but, little bit, but okay. uh, basically, all the characters that we've met so far, minus Saw Gerrera, get onto the escape ship. And they escape the wreckage of the destruction. Yes. And then back at the rebel base, the rebels get a message about everything that's going on, that the city just got destroyed, and that they found out the location of Jin's father, Mm -hmm. and that now Cassian gets orders to go and kill the father, because they don't believe Jin's story of him actually defecting. Yeah, Cassian has the orders to kill, but then also the rebels decide that they're going to send their own fleet in to try and take out Jin's father. Mm-hmm. But they, the uh, Cassian ship doesn't have communication with them right now, so they don't actually know any of this is happening. And on the Death Star, Grand Moff Tarkin tells Kratik, Kratik, whatever, that, they, <laughs> that he's going to take over operations at the Death Star. And then Kratik's like, no, this is my Death Star. I want this Death Star. You don't get to have it. And so that's basically what happens. Yep. <clears throat> and he just throws a huge hissy fit about it. Mm-hmm. And Tarkin definitely like keeps that in mind. Yes, because Tarkin did just overthrow him on this plan, and he's like, mm-hmm. "Well, then at some point they also have heard that there is someone who has that the Bodhi, the cargo plane guy, has defected, mm-hmm. and someone gave him information on the secret weakness of the Death Star, and so now Craddock is about to go to go to the mining planet or the refinery planet." And try and figure out who gave him that information. Yes, and his biggest uh, suspect is Jin, Jin's dad, Galen. Mm-hmm. And so we get to that area where Galen is. People, you know, uh, they crash, right? Oh no, they don't crash. They like try and avoid like being detected by the uh, the Imperial sensors, and they have to like land kind of far away. Cassian tells everybody to stay behind, and just him and just him and Bodhi leave the ship. And so from there, Bodhi, they, they get set up, Cassian gets set up with his sniper rifle, and he's about ready to, he's taking aim at where he thinks that uh, Jin's father will be. 
And that's around the same time that Craddock, sh- Craddock shows up and lines up some of his engineers and says, one of you has betrayed me. Who, whoever it may be, we will, we will kill or we'll kill you one by one until we figure out who it is. Yes. And Cassian's lining up his shot. He's there. And then Jin has snuck out of the ship herself and she's getting over there and she doesn't want to see her father get killed. Basically, everybody has left the ship at this point. It's at different places on, uh, in like the mountain range that they're sitting at. Yes. And as Krennic is about to kill each person, Jin's father steps in and says, no, I did it. Please take, have mercy on them. I did it. You can kill me or kidnap me or whatever. And then Krennic just has the stormtroopers shoot all the engineers anyway. <laughs> yep. Just to know that he's evil. Just because he needs to prove it because it's his Death Star. He needs to make sure that that's what it is. But then as Cassian decides he's not going to shoot Jin's father for reasons. And then at that point, I think that's that's when the rebels show up, right? Yes. Yeah. The rebels show up and start just gunning down this one base. Everything's up in the air getting destroyed. Stormtroopers are will-handling all over the place. (laughs) And then Krennic leaves... But Galen Urso is now, like, hurt and dying as Jin goes up to her dad and is like, Dad, I'm alive, like, blah, blah. And he's just, like, gets these last few minutes with his daughter, which are really nice. Which are really nice. In the grand scheme of things, this sequence has nothing to do with the entire rest of the movie, but that's okay. Hey, you got to keep people's attention yep. somehow. But, and yeah, it's a nice moment, and he does, and she tells him that he, she got the message and that, everything's, uh, that everything will be okay. And he's like, it's so good to see you again. You have to, you know, save the galaxy. Then Cassian comes and helps rescue her. Donnie Yen shoots down a TIE fighter. And it's really cool because he's blind and he yeah. just fires a big laser. I want to know who the Stormtrooper is. Like, what have you, this, what Donnie Yen gave Stormtroopers advice on how to shoot people? Like, <laughs> they're like, Hey guys, I know you're trying to just shoot with your, with your eyes. You're not even really shooting with your eyes at this point. You're just kind of firing at will around. Uh, let me give you a couple pointers. Yes. That'd be great. But yeah, everybody ma- basically makes it back to the ship as the ba- as the refinery is just getting destroyed. All the rebels leave, and then everyone heads back to Yavin 4 to, to make a plan. Right. But before that, Krennic makes a pit stop to an old, uh, an old friend of ours. Yes. He goes to this uh, very lava-y planet, and he's like, I need a counsel with someone. And then someone walks in to this chamber and says, Lord Vader, General Krennic is here to see you. And you're like, oh, snap, it's Vader. Oh, man. And then fan service scene number one, or probably number eight, comes out. And it's, it's Vader. in the blue milk, man. Vader in just decked out. And James Earl Jones is sounding kind of old, but he yeah. still is pretty cool. I honestly, when people complain about people sounding older, I don't hear a difference. I'm just like, that's, I, I don't hear it at least, but anyways. Yeah, but he, he, he comes out and Krennic is basically just saying, can you make sure that Tarkin doesn't take over operations because I did this, uh, this whole thing. And it's like a short two minute scene, but at the very end, Vader just force chokes him and he gets to the ground and then releases him and just says, careful Krennic. Don't, don't choke, choke on, on your, your aspirations. aspirations. <laughs> and it's just like, mother, somethinger. He's yep. uh, Darth Vader, even in a useless scene, is still the coolest guy around. Even with dad jokes, Darth Vader still pulls him off. Yes. And he doesn't even know. Oh, wait, does he know he's a dad yet? No, he uh, doesn't. Does he know he's a dad? Well, he knows that Padme was pregnant, but I don't think he knows that the, the babies have survived. 
because I don't think he actually realizes that he's a father until uh, Empire Strikes Back. Okay. Yeah. So making dad jokes and yep. not even a dad. That's how you're a true dad. Always a dad, never a daddy. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and he, so then we cut away from there. We go back to the rebel base where everyone's deciding, what are we going to do? Are we going to attack? No one really knows if these plans are real. We actually, because uh, I think that's, no, that's what happens is that uh, Jin's dad finally tells her where the plans are. They're on uh, basically this imperial library called Scarif, mm-hmm. which is like a tropical island where it's like a jungle and beaches and stuff. Right. And so she believes her father and she wants to go there, but no one else really believes her and doesn't and thinks that that's basically a suicide mission to try and infiltrate the Imperial Library. Yes. So everyone is just like not really down to do that. They don't trust Jin. Uh, and she's like, oh, like, come on, we got to do it. And everyone else is just very passive about it. But basically this made her have like a kind of a change of heart where she's like, no, we need to do the right thing. We need to go and save everybody. And they say, no, you can't. And then she leaves. But then Cassian and his group of, like a group of people, a group of the rebels decide that they're willing to fight for it. And that, uh, basically that they will take charge and fight the empire with her. Yes. It's a very, uh, inspirational speech, good scene. And then I guess from there, do we really need to describe any more? Because... Well, it's sort of cool. Like, they have this really cool little beach fight scene. Well, it's really cool because it's not just, like, a a scene that's like, oh, they need to get here. It's like a 45-minute sequence. Like, it's this huge... It's what they're building towards. It's like the whole thing where they're... You know that the part of the words in the crawl at the beginning of A New Hope where it's like, rebels have recovered secret Death Star plans. Those, like, three sentences are this, like, final fight sequence, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. It's... It's a really good climax. 45 minutes is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we lose everyone, unfortunately. We yep. lose K2SO, Donnie Yang, Baze, uh, Bodhi. And then at the end, Jin gets the plans to the other rebels that eventually show up. And she's like confronted by Krennic, but they she's able to get the plans off. She immobilizes him, and he's just stuck on top of the tower. And Tarkin wants to make sure that the plans is, don't escape. So he takes the Death Star over to Scarif, and he points the laser, like, directly at Krennic. Yeah. <laughs> which is weird, but still so cool. So poetic. And just the whole thing that Krennic has been working towards is the thing that kills him, mm-hmm. and it fires, and it's ready to just blow up the entire planet. Jin and Cassian are not able to get off in time, so they die in this, like, beautiful blaze of glory. Yes. And as they're dying, the plans get sent up to the other rebels, and as the rebels are downloading it, they get oh yeah ambushed. So Darth Vader is only in two scenes of this movie, and he's in the two best scenes of all. Yes. Because when the plans get uploaded to the ship, they get put on this little floppy disk-looking thing, and the rebels are running through the hallway as they're getting attacked, and this door won't open, and then all the lights go out. And just this one lightsaber light just appears out of the darkness, and it's Darth Vader. And he just cuts down all these rebel soldiers as they're trying to get this door open. He's just trying to pass the disc off to someone else. Oh, God. He just slices through him like bread, and he just, like, doesn't care at all. And And then then they eventually are able to get the uh, the plans to another rebel. They get to an escape ship, and the ship is also where Princess Leia is. Yes. And they end up getting into her hands. And the rebels are like, what is this? And she's like, hope. 
another another kind of weird CGI face. Yeah. And especially, it is especially weird because this movie came out a week before Carrie Fisher died. Oh, that's right. And right. it was, and I saw it after. I saw it a little bit afterwards, and it was very interesting because it was the day after she died that I saw it. Oh. And it was like one of those things. Was like, wow, is this this was probably you know meant not going to be a bad thing, and it would have been funny to ask Carrie Fisher, you know, how do you feel about your. Uh, your likeness being like de-aged and she would have been, had something sassy to say. Oh, I'm sure she would. Yeah. But uh, basically that's how it ends. Yep. And so they take off and Vader follows after him and that's how Rogue One ends and New Hope begins. <laughs> Rogue One ends legitimately like minutes before A New Hope starts. Yep. And, you know, I, I really did like this movie a lot. I think one of the strongest things they had, like one thing I wrote down was like, man, these people just have kick-ass character introductions. Yes. Like, Cassian murders another rebel. <laughs> K2SO has a sassy line stopping Jin. Mm-hmm. Jin has, uh, like, the whole opening scene is her backstory. Yeah. And her trying to, like, escape people who are trying to rescue her is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Donnie Yen doesn't have... the fir- His first scene isn't great, but his scene when he fights stormtroopers yeah. is awesome. Him and Blaze are just, like, so kick-ass, like... This is the way you really want to open your scenes with mm-hmm. characters, just because you understand like what they're about. You're like, oh, Donnie Yen, this blind guy, and he's like, yeah, but I'm more than blind. And pew pew pew. Honestly, even if they are one or two dimensional, at least they're like very convincing and very like they're they're their single or two dimensions are well defined. Yeah, like it's it, I completely understand where they're coming from, and it, I think that that goes also to the performances a little bit too, because I didn't like it as much, but going back through is like. There isn't a whole lot that they get to say that explains their characters. Yeah. So in those few moments, like Felicity Jones and Diego Luna, do a really good job of uh, of making them like of making whatever sing, kind of single minded thing they have to say really convincing. And I totally believe it. Yeah, I do too. Um, what are you? So you did bring up uh, Carrie Fisher and her mm-hmm. look. What? How do you think Tarkin, like in the long term of things, looks? And do you think this was like appropriate to do? Uh, I. Th- I, I believe I heard that the people, I forget what, who, what the actor's name is, but I believe they spoke to his estate, like the people, you know, who were involved with it, and they said it was okay to use his likeness. Uh, so I think that's fine. And I'm sure Carrie Fisher gave the okay because she was still alive at the time. I'm just worried about these things getting out of hand. Yeah. Where if we don't talk about people getting the okay to use their likeness, then it kind of feels like anyone can do it at any time. And it would be a little problematic to just resurrect any characters because then we're just like, is anybody truly dead at this point? And then we get into Westworld territory. <laughs> yes, very true. Uh, another thing I want to talk about before like, we definitely go into surgery, um, the little kid in Jin mm-hmm. and the opening battle scene, uh, we f- refer to that as like saving the cat. Yep. Uh, do you want to talk about what that is? So uh, in case that you haven't, noticed because we talk about movies on this podcast taylor and i went to film school yes and one of the big things that they try and require you to read in film school is this book called save the cat and basically the idea behind save the cat is that if you have this character i forget what it was it's it's based on an actual like movie that happened and the script was written and you're supposed to like this character but they haven't done anything likable but you're supposed still supposed to root for them so then some movie executives said why doesn't he just save a cat so then they write a scene into it where this character, uh, who's, you know, this bad guy, but you're supposed to root for, saves a cat from a tree or saves a cat from getting hit by a car. And that's like, oh, now I know you're a good guy. Yeah, it's like the, oh, you did that. That was like, out, you know, not something you had to do. 
But you did it anyways, so that makes you a nice person. Because basically at this point, Jin is, you know, a strong character, but she's not very good. So I think they wanted to show that she's actually a good person. Because, you know, she's in jail and we have no idea why she's there. (laughs) She's just basically been doing a lot of bad things. So the, the point of her saving that kid is to show she's a good person who will take care of people. So it's not a bad thing. It is just kind of a lazy thing to do that you put some other character in danger that has nothing to do with anything, and then you have someone else save them. Like, if she rescued this kid and then the kid became part of the story, where it was like, oh, wow, I'm going to join you now because you, you've given me purpose in life, that'd be one thing, and then she could just be like, come on, kid, you can't do this. Yeah, but with this one, the kid dies literally, like, maybe an hour or two later, so it's just, like, really grim. Yeah, so it's, it's uh, I mean, it's one of those where if she had more of a moment to be like, man, I, my actions... You know, I need to do a lot better. That'd be that would do more, but it just it's just a lazy way of saying it's a good person. Yep, it's like oh well, nice, good job. You risked your life for a little kid. Yeah. I like you now. But really, go back through and see any movie where there's like an anti-hero or like you know, just a regular person, and watch and just look out for that moment where there's either like a kid where it's like hey, here's a candy bar kid, or if there's like a puppy where they'll you know walk by and look around, see if anybody's looking and be like, good dog. Like, yeah. I like you. He's like, all right, no one can know how sensitive I am. Yeah, and then you have other scenes where it's the anti that, where it's like the opening of House of Cards. Oh, yeah. And the guy just literally killing a dog. See, there's the, an- then that's the anti state where it's kill the cat. Yeah. Where if you can't tell that a character's evil, uh, you make them do something bad. Yeah. Where it's like, the one that I look at is Black Panther, where uh, Killmonger, uh-huh. you know, you hear about him doing bad things and he does do bad things. But he has a very strong point to his ideology. Uh-huh. But then he just chokes the woman who's like in charge of the purple flowers. And it's like, oh, thank God. Oh, I'm glad you're evil. This made it so much easier to hate you. Oh, <laughs> uh, thank you. Everything's better now. Yes, very true. But uh, enough about other movies. Shall we get into surgery? Yeah, let's go into surgery. Let's uh, figure out how we can fix Rogue One. Well, I feel like we almost can't get too much into surgery without talking about the reshoots. Because I do think that's important to do. Before we get into surgery. Okay. So you want to talk about this first before? Yeah, because I think I, what we usually do is we, you know, talk about the, what we le- stuff, what the movie's about, summary, stuff we like, stuff we didn't like, and then we go into surgery and then fun details. I think we kind of need to do this first because you can't doctor a script without actually knowing that there was more beforehand. Okay. I think, it's, I think it's a fair point. All right. Let's, uh, let's tackle that so are we just going to talk about the overall things or things yeah like... just for anybody who doesn't know but it's a very commonplace thing that's known now is that rogue one uh before it came out went through extensive reshoots and reshoots are a thing that happen in a lot of movies where you test something with an audience and something doesn't work and it's like oh we need to film this other scene or you know you need to make a character more likable but it's interesting to to know that reports have it estimated that somewhere around 30 to 40 percent of the film was reshot Yes. later on and possibly with a different director and a lot of people noticed that because in the very first trailer that came out for rogue one 90 percent of those shots are not in the final movie even if a lot of them look similar but they also have a different uh a tone to them like they're the one that sticks out to me the most is the scene where uh Jin is sitting in, at yavin four and they're telling her what her crimes are uh-huh. and they you know list all this laundry list of things where it's like what do you think you're doing going against the rebels and you're going against the empire? And she says, I'm a rebel. I rebel. And it's like, that. that's really cool. But in the scene, she's just being confronted by these people. And it's like, you're going to have to go on this mission to go find your father. And it, it's not much of her choice. It's just 
being forced to do it. Whereas when she says that she's a rebel, at least whether she's choosing to like help out or not, mm-hmm. it's, it gives her something more to do and it gives her like some opposition with this. She's just a, a passive protagonist. I feel like she's getting thrown into the this black and white world where she just doesn't care to whoever like really helps her at the, you know at mm-hmm. its most convenient, and now she is getting forced into it, and yeah. she takes such a hard line after because like the whole movie is about trust. The whole like K two S O doesn't trust her and is like flabbergasted when Cassin lets her take a blaster yeah. or uh, Krennic. There's someone in his ranks that he can't trust anymore. Mm-hmm. I I sort of like that change at least well like for that specific scene of her getting thrown into it and then it says set up the trusting thing i guess but i feel like it would have been it would have been even stronger to like see her you know be be against the establishment because we don't we don't really get to see it because i do agree that i like her being forced into it and like or at least you know Uh, her forced (sighs) or like reluctant participation in it but it would have been nice to see her try try and do more at the base, because the only part where we see her try and go against things is when she tries to, when they try to rescue her and she tries to leave. Okay. And it would I, I feel like I just would have liked a little bit more confrontation, like a confrontational attitude from her in that case. And then there's one part where K2SO shows up and he looks at Jin, and it's almost like he's seeing her for the first time later on, like in the desert planet. And uh-huh. he says, fine, I won't kill her, but only because she's your friend. And it kind of makes me think that there was a relationship at least, but not necessarily like romantic, but like some some way that Cassian and uh, Jin knew each other from before. Uh-huh. And I think I would have liked to see something like that, whether not necessarily like they were friends, but, you know, Jin could have, one of her crimes could have been, you know, against Cassian, who's a, a high-ranking person with the Rebellion. Okay. And like that could have been like, you know, you, like, you stole re- like rebel rations, like, you know, uh, y- like young people who are against the Empire like could have died because you they weren't like n- nourished enough. I think that would have been a good, especially to give the as with the trust aspect, uh-huh. to give them a lot more reasons to not trust each other. No, I agree. The only reason that they don't trust each other is because they don't know each other, and that her dad created the Death Star. Yeah, we can talk about that more in surgery. Yeah, tip note. And uh, Saw Gerrera sounds like has had a lot more inspirational speeches in the trailers. Yeah, because he really only has two scenes total: one where he tortures uh, Bodhi. And the other one where he's just standing in a hallway with Jin, mm-hmm. and then the hologram shows up. And that's kind of it. He doesn't really do a lot. No. The, and it sounds like in the in the trailers, at least, he had these like inspirational things to say, these things that like helped guide her along, that in conjunction with her father telling her that she needs to get the plans with the Death Star, like really put her on track and like tell her that, you know, her father's mission needs to survive. The biggest thing was Saw that I that has been highly speculated online is that those people like his crew ends up coming to mm-hmm. the beach Island yeah. and helping out the rebellion. And I would have freaking loved to see that. That would have been so cool. Like, yeah, so yeah cool. just, just cause like the, there is this relationship between Jin and saw, which we're going to get into into surgery. That would have been so cool to see like play out and just see like, even if he's not there, like the final remnants of his like people are going to come and, and join the fight. I think Saw should be there, too. Like, if Saw ends up, like, sacrificing himself to save Jin in a certain way... Okay, so yeah, so Saw's crew looked like they ended up coming to help the Rebels out, which I just... That would have been so cool to see. Like, I know they had a lot of cool character designs for his crew, and I would have loved to see them more interacting. One, uh, one reshoot thing that I actually think benefited them, that they did do, is that they combined 
two different parts of the final battle, mm-hmm. where if you remember the trailers, which has some pretty cool shots from this little section, they're, they're run, like, Jin is running on the beach while holding the Death Star plans, and that's not anywhere near the, the final cut of the movie. So it's like she was trying to go from one place to another, and like there's this AT-AT that's firing at them, and stormtroopers walking like through the water, like it's a like a war movie, like in the swamps. And but they decide to consolidate that, which I think is better. And uh, there are a couple deaths that happen in better ways because they don't happen outside of the final like confrontation. Yeah, I mean, I would have also been so down to see fights happening outside in the beach area because yeah. that's such a different like battle that we haven't seen in Star Wars. Like, we had the Battle of Kashyyyk in, you know, uh, uh, Revenge, Revenge of the Sith, but, yeah. like, it was that more of a, like, a muddy, you know, not like a nice sandy yeah. beach that you would well, go... And, and a lot like, of it's also just on. a bunch of CGI fights with, like, Wookiees that weren't there and storm or clone troopers that weren't there. It just, for me, it would have felt more like a war film yeah. than it already is. Because it, it sounded like that's the, with the... Gareth Edwards, like the director, and he was originally like hired to make it like a war movie. Yeah, I I would have been down to see it, but I understand also because you need to cut on time and it's not mm-hmm. necessary. But I think it would have been really cool. But again, yeah. yeah, with the deaths, it because of the reshoots, the deaths the deaths happen more kind of appropriately to their characters because mm-hmm. in the uh, in it sounds like in the original K two S O and Cassian, they shot a version of it where Krennic actually shoots them outside of the transfer center. So in the, in the movie, K2SO sacrifices himself. Like he could, K2SO could have survived, but he decides to sacrifice himself for the greater good with like a one liner to finish off. And Cassian and Jin are together and hugging when the death star blows them up. Whereas in the original version with that, they shot, and we're going to put in uh, Krennic kills them outside of the, the transfer center where they're like, you know, holding the door closed so that Jin could transfer the plans. And that's fine but it's not quite as emotionally impactful if they die alone and at the hands of the villain mm-hmm. rather than like, you know, with one for self-sacrificing reasons and one with the person that he's learned to trust over the course of the movie. Right. And so that's one that I do think was a good idea that I, if the original version had said, and we were script doctoring this, I would have said to do exactly what happened where Cassian is, ends up with Jin at the end so that they could spend their final moment together. Yeah. And another fun thing to talk about with the deaths in general, originally Gareth Edwards thought they wouldn't be able to kill everyone off because mm-hmm. you know, they thought Disney was like, uh, you know, that's probably a little too dark for Disney. But then everyone at Disney was like, hell yeah, let's <laughs> yeah, do, do it. it. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> we, can, we can get into surgery now because a lot of my concerns were stuff that they actually did shoot and – didn't end up in the movie because I did like a lot of the stuff that I thought we were going to see. All right. So we are now in surgery and going to script doctor this bad boy. What's your first thing that you'd want to, you want to get in there and fix? <sighs> well, hmm. in general, the fan service is fun in this, but it's not necessary. Yeah. And I think, cause I really hated solo. But I she hates it a lot more than I do. Like yes. it's at the bottom of my list, but I don't think it's bad. It's I think it's probably a, my favorite. Uh, actually, no, the, by far that's my least favorite Star Wars movie. Ooh, maybe we have an idea for something we could do later. Uh, we'll tackle that. We'll <laughs> tackle that definitely. Um, but the thing with Solo is they have so much fan. Like I feel like they took the wrong things out of Rogue One and put it in Solo. Like there's a lot of unnecessary like fanfare. Like yeah. you know, it's more subtle in this. Like the blue milk. I was like, oh, okay, I sort of like that. 
but we just summarized this whole film. We barely had to talk about Tarkin. We only talked about Vader because he was, like, badass. Like, we didn't have to talk about the Krennic scene. Like, that has nothing to do with it. The lightsaber scene is really cool with him at the end, but it doesn't have to do with it. C-3PO and R2-D2 make a cameo, and it's just like, huh, why does no one tell us anything? (laughs) And also, that doesn't really make sense, because they're supposed to be on the ship with with Princess Leia. Yeah. So they kind of wrote themselves into a plot hole there. And then Leia's dad, also. Oh, yeah. We didn't uh, have to... yeah. characters from the prequels don't need to show up in any more movies yeah. unless you have something really cool to do with them but just uh, General Organa just like is there and it makes sense because he was like a leader in the rebellion Yeah, but he doesn't do anything yeah it's one thing like with um, Grand uh, not Tarkin the uh, the woman uh, oh Mon Mothma Mon Mothma like she's like still the head of the rebels and mm-hmm. like making decisions Tarkin you can argue like could you have done this without him? Could you have not? I, I think mean, there's a way you could have. It would have worked better if the actor was still alive because I do think it's cool, a cool idea to see that there was this other person who was in charge and then you're actually seeing that Grand Moff Tarkin, who you thought was the big, like one of the big bads at the beginning of A New Hope, is actually just this bully of a guy who's just like trying to, uh, just take taking ownership over people that are, are on his side. Yeah. Like it just it does make him more evil, and I like that for his character. It just is hard to justify putting his character in there. So, do you think we could have substitute Tarkin out and put all the scenes that he's in with Vader? How does that work? No, I think Darth Vader still needs to be this far away mythical creature okay. because in the world of Star Wars up to this point people barely know about Darth Vader. He's like a whisper on the wind. Yeah. Because the Jedi have been eliminated for 20 years. Uh, people don't really know much about him. People don't know that he's actually like a Jedi defector. Or if they do, it's just a rumor. And it just makes things so much more mysterious. Yeah. Whereas if he's around all the time and like calling the shots and just saying, uh, yes, I'm going to take this Death Star from you. That's not really what he wants. He he's not doesn't really care about like the planet destruction. He just cares about the power that he feels being a part of the dark side. Yeah. And I wasn't saying as much as like, he's taking, you know, this death star away from Krennic more just like this achievement was something I expected from you. Like you still need to prove yourself. Like, yeah. And this goes back to another thing I want to talk about. I sort of want these attack, like the shoots of power they use on the death star. Mm-hmm. I want it all to be like beta tests. Like it's not like the thing is not done quite yet, but it's the beta phase. So, like, you know, they have a successful first, like, little blow-up. And he's like, oh, look, like, I did this right, Vader. And then he's like, you said it would cover 5,000 miles. This only hits 1,000 miles. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it, there's still an achievement, but he still undercuts it. Yeah. And it gets uh, Krennic to, like, try and up everything more. And he's like, do you know there?" And Vader's like, you know, this? there's a, someone talking around that there's a weakness. Like, what's up with that? Blah, blah, blah. Now that could be good because his plan is because he's like driving forces. He doesn't want to lose his uh, ship to Tarkin because he's worried about being overthrown. But it is a cool change to make him feel like he's not good enough even though he's like destroying like thousands of lives. Yeah. And then the only time that it really works is when Vader's like, all right, let's try it on this one area. And then like it works successfully, mm-hmm. but that's the thing that also kills uh, Krennic's like, he's like, oh, I'm 5,000 miles away. It's okay. And then he's like, ah, oh, shit. It's I, me. <laughs> oh, damn. I, I did it too well. Yeah. 
like sort of because that's more poetic in a way where he you know not like that corny of a way where he's five thousand <laughs> miles away but you know he's still getting killed by something that lives up when it finally lives up to his potential is what that's when it kills him yeah no i think that's a i think that's a good idea i don't I, I still don't know if I'd want Vader to do it, but I don't know how you do it without either making it Tarkin or Vader because we it would be bad to introduce just a whole other new character yeah. that like, tries to take it away from him. Well, it just makes Vader more part of the overall story instead mm-hmm. of like these little side quests. Like, cause those were definitely reshoots. I, like We know for a fact that the, va- the lightsaber scene, at least, was a reshoot. Mm-hmm. I'm like 80% sure the lava scene was a reshoot, but that might have been in there. I think that was already part of it, because I think, I think the set reason they did the lightsaber scene, like where he you know fights the rebels, was put in because the test with the first scene was like everyone wanted to see more Vader. Uh-huh. And so they put that one in. One or the other. It was, it was, I think there was just one, and then they added a second one at some point. Which you know makes sense because he's pretty cool, but yeah. it's kind of that's kind of the only fan service that really does work because you don't you don't need the guys that bump into Jin, mm-hmm. you don't need C three PO and R two D two because that just raises more questions. You don't need Jimmy Smiths unless he's going to be an integral part of the plot. It's more like I don't mind fan service if it's serving the plot. Yeah, but these guys, I mean, because if they were just doing their jobs, like Mon Mothma is a good choice because she's just doing her job which makes sense why she's there having him there doesn't really make a lot of sense and it's just kind of distracting for people to be because if people don't remember him they're like he's a decently famous actor it's like hey that's that jimmy smiths and if they do remember him and he doesn't do anything or he you know gives i think he gives casting like that pep talk right is he uh, the one who does that i don't remember i don't remember but yeah he when he basically doesn't do anything and he just shows up to be like remember this it, it gets in the way. So they, they have partially good fan service, partially weird fan service. Yeah, and it's not nearly as bad as, mm-hmm. you know, Solo. <laughs> another another talk, another time. Yeah. But the, uh, the coolest part of the movie was Darth Maul, and that was all fan service. Yes, that was all fan service. Yeah. Honestly, for, for me, the biggest thing that I would change is, uh, is the first scene, yeah. which is something I say a lot in these things, because I do think problematic movies start off on the wrong foot. Okay. For me, the way that I think it would be good to start off is not with Jin and her family, uh, but to start off with Jin and Saw when she's a little bit older, kind of at the point where Saw's done with her, where she's, where he's, where she's, you know, this badass like kid who's, you know, going on missions. But then at the end of the day, she still asks Saw, like, what was my, what was my dad like? Cause she still remembers him a little bit. But yeah. not a lot. And I think it'd be really cool if he, like, gives her this, like, grand story and, like, tells her how great he was and how he's, you know, been kidnapped by the by the Empire. And then she's like, well, let's go save him. And then Saul's like, no, we can't do that. And at that point, she leaves and she's everything that she's doing is to get back to her father and to, like, rescue him and to be the hero. And that way that he has become, like, this kind of legend for herself. And it, it gives her a, more of a drive to do the things that she's doing rather than kind of like this reluctant, like, all right, I'm curious about my father, but I don't know. Like she needs to like go for it. And like, and the fact that saw like abandoned her Mm -hmm. and it would be such a cool thing to see that they had a relationship that they had this great father, somewhat father daughter dynamic, but he's just not good enough. And he's only thinking about the bottom line that he rejects her and that he abandons her and that she has to come back to him 
and she has to come back to her adoptive father who she wants to see dead in order to see her real father who's the person she's been wanting to see this whole time yeah because i think that would be stronger for all three of those characters and even if saw doesn't get to you know be in the final fight at least he's got this big he'll have this big character moment where he's you know telling Jin that he's either sorry or that whatever he did was worth it whether he's right or wrong at least they could have some moment of reconciliation and that he could be like no you need to get off this planet you know i've always cared for you the way that your father did some something like that a little less cheesy than how i'm saying it yeah no i i like the father daughter relationship about what you're saying i do wonder if like if we should see you know jin's more like upbringing a little bit in the beginning Mm -hmm. but then like how she got to be where she is rather than just like oh she's in jail now but the thing is, like, that's also what they did in Solo. Yeah. I hated that. Where they and... jumped from that early part to straight up him being J. Yeah, I know. It's, it's one of those things where they, they kind of skip the good parts so that they can do more explaining. Yeah. Because I think you could, you could explain while showing the good parts. Like, if, if uh, Saw's telling the story of her father, that's exposition, but that's also, like, character for her being amazed at what her, uh, who her father was. Do you think she should have, like, this sort of, like, identity crisis at one point? Like, if she's not sure if, like, is my dad this bad guy? Like, can I trust him? Or, like, have I just been radicalized by Saul Guerrero? Like, anything this guy does is bad. Like, should she debate a bit more? Because, again, it's still about trust. Like, who does she trust? I I think there definitely could be a debate, and that would actually be good for her and Cassian to have that debate. Mm -hmm. Because Cassian's tasked with killing uh, Jin's father. And I think that would be a good, that he doesn't have to tell her that he's going to kill her, but he could, you know, show that he has distaste for this guy. And she could, he could easily be trying to sway her onto his side where it's like, he's not that good of a guy. And it would give them more interaction because they're supposed to be these people that, you know, fight and decide who is telling the truth and what to believe. Mm-hmm. And I think that could even build up more if they have that discussion. Yeah, I agree. But I do, I like that idea of giving her a little bit more to, uh, to debate whether it's, he's good or not. Yeah, like, she she should be like, do I trust this information? Because mm-hmm. then we're reinforcing the overall theme, in my opinion. Yeah. Now, that's that's most of my stuff, is just improving the beginning so that the characters throughout make more sense. Uh, I'll give give Bodhi more to do. Uh, that's, yeah. that's probably, my honestly, my second biggest one, is that there's this guy who's defected from the Empire, which is a really cool idea, because we've never heard of anybody actually leaving the Empire, and having these secrets. And he's just kind of thrown to the wayside throughout the whole movie. Like, he, he's the one who has the hologram of Jin's father. Mm-hmm. He gets his brain sucked out. Goes crazy for, like, two minutes. And, and then, then he's just kind of along for the ride. Like, yeah. I'm also, you know, a little biased because I really like the actor, Riz Ahmed. He's really good. Uh, and he's just there. He just he doesn't do anything after he his brain gets sucked out. Because there, that character seems like there's so much more to him. Like, he's this, you know guy who left the rebellion or left the empire kind of cowardly rather than actually wanting to do good and then throughout him being part of this mission where he's trying to get the death star plans he he, he gets brave and even if he dies at, at the end he's at least like learned that he doesn't need to do things out of fear he should do things out of conviction i agree that would have been that would have been fun to do mm-hmm. uh another thing with me I do want Saw Guerrero more in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, he is so MIA, and he was so hyped in this, too, because, yeah, he's originally from the animated series. A lot of people went in here being very excited to see him, and he's in two scenes. Well, 
and he's in two scenes and he dies and he's got this like somewhat rich mythology in the sh- in the TV series. Yeah, and it's like he's just like I don't want to run anymore and then Jin's like seriously? You're a robot. Just yeah. fucking move just, your <laughs> just like, move. It's okay. Like especially if people I don't know what the character's like on TV, but I'm sure he's a lot stronger than just some guy who'll give up at the end. Yeah, I mean he's younger in the whole TV show. Yeah, but still he I feel like he could I don't say he could easily have gotten on the ship, but I bet there was a way he could have escaped. And even if he wasn't part of the entire story, he could have been the one leading his men or his soldiers in battle at the end. And even if he, again, still dies, he could be with Jin and Cassian at the end. Yeah, no, that's definitely what I wanted at the end. I want Saw to be on the field and, like, you know, killing some stormtroopers, doing his thing. And then if he dies on, you know, fighting, like, that's what he's been doing his whole life is like, you know, mm-hmm. you know, rebelling, staying up for what he believes in. At least he's dying doing that rather than being like, you know, it's been shit for 20 years now. I'm done. Yeah. The sandstorm, not the worst way to go. No, and, they, they could have figured out some way to make that work. Yeah. I, I, I do just wish they had fixed that or had done like he's got he was so hyped and I can just tell a lot of people were disappointed by that. And again, you have interesting parallels between him and Vader. Like, they're both just, like, radicals on each side. Because that could honestly be uh, the way that he goes out is what if if what you're saying is something that could have happened that instead of Tarkin, it's Darth Vader that does everything. And Saw and Darth Vader, like, have a bit of a, have a confrontation. Yeah. I mean, I would sort of want, like, what we're saying with the father-daughter. I want, you know, Saw to give his life up for her. Mm-hmm. Because, say, he's giving up his life for her and the Rebellion. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll have to save Jin, which will, in turn, save yeah. plans. So it's like... Well, that way, they, he they could have done the part where Krennic shows up and shoots them as they're crossing the beach to go to this new location mm-hmm. for the reshoot. So they could have kept the, the two separate locations and had the cool battle scene in the middle. And then that's what he's doing, is he's using like his robot arms to like hold the door shut. Yeah, and like they're like locked that way, and that gives them a lot more time. So because Krennic would have to, you know, cut them off or like do whatever. And I think that that could have been a good way for him to sacrifice himself, if if we if you know we want to also change some other things. Yeah, no, but in general, even without the whole father daughter relationship that he has with Jin, I think he needs to go out in a better way. Yeah, and even like if he just shows up to that final battle, I think it just gives him a lot more to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's unfortunate because I feel like they really did whiff on a really good character because, I mean, I've watched the animated show occasionally, but not, you know, super hardcore. And, you know, he's fun. He's a good guy. You know, I I have one more kind of crazy thing, but, you know, I'll I'll let you think what what you you think about it is uh, instead of Baze as Donnie Yen's sidekick, what if instead that was the... Uh, a younger person, like a kid, who actually has found a lightsaber and is like, because Donnie Yen is like practicing in the ways of the Jedi without actually being a Jedi or a Force user. Uh-huh. And it's kind of this kid who, you know, doesn't have any powers of the Force but has found this lightsaber and Donnie Yen has been teaching him how to be one with the Force but it's, you know, one of those slacker kids who actually doesn't really care about any of that stuff but, you know, doesn't have a family to go back to. Uh-huh. So, at, so it would give uh, this character more of a reason to hang out and like be part of the action and again learn something about himself uh throughout the action 
and become you know become a hero and be able to use the lightsaber, but still you know get killed at the end. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Um, instead of Baze, who's a cool badass character, but has nothing going for him except for like the Force is stupid. Yeah. Like you could do that with a kid who actively di- doesn't believe in the Force, but still uses the tools of Force users. Does this kid? Like, is his opening scene just, like, having a broom and just brushing something back <laughs> with a ring that says the Rebels? Uh, no. This isn't The Last <laughs> Jedi, okay? Um, we don't find out that anyone can use the Force until The Last Jedi. Yeah. Um, I don't know about that. What do you, like, that could Cause, be interesting. Because just in the same way that Bodhi, I felt like, was, uh, was undercut because of possible reshoots or just not fleshing out his character enough uh-huh. with a lot of material. There's material you could do with Baze, but I don't really know what it could be except for kind of giving him more more dynamics and more reasons for existing than just being uh, Donnie and psychic. I mean, I'd be fine cutting him out altogether because mm-hmm. then it's just more time to flesh out everyone else. What do you think of like Donnie Yen eventually like tapping into like force potential? Stuff so I'm like actually that. using the force. Yeah, like I know, uh, I somewhere online I remember seeing this, like him instead of like walking up to the little uh, knob that you have to push to let the secrets go up, he like uses the force instead. Mm-hmm. No, I think that would be a good thing, especially if Baze is gone, because the point of Donnie Yen never using the force is that he needed Baze to believe in it without seeing it, because mm. that's kind of where the character came from. Because it was, you know, that's the whole story. Where he's like, you know, I'm with the Force, the Force is with me, and then Baze is like, oh, the Force. Yeah. It's like, makes it work. So if Baze is gone, then I actually think that part with Downey Yen would work a lot better, where he finally gets to use the Force, but that's where he's taken down. Yeah. Because he has to, he's, you know, has to be out in the open to do it. Right. Uh, I, I sort of like that a bit more. Maybe, like, I know some people are so, like, in the canon of all Star Wars and stuff like that, but I think... It, that works better for Donnie Yen's guy. Also, if Donnie Yen does end up using the Force, then that makes people a little less mad when, in The Last Jedi when that kid pulls a broom close to him. But that's yeah. just my opinion. Yeah, it's true, it's true. <laughs> uh, do you have anything else you want to fix? Because there are so many good details about this movie that just didn't get it right. And I think that's that's kind of why that's kind of why I'm so upset that there were reshoots for this movie because they were so close to having a really good one, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I still think this is pretty good. Like, I think some of the decisions they did were like the correct ones, but I also would have been very interested to see like what the original was. Like, mm-hmm. main example, I want to see that beach battle, <laughs> but I understand why they made it into one tower. Yeah, no, that's understandable, but. You want to talk about some of the stuff that happened in the script that didn't happen in the movie? Uh, I first want to... Well, what do you think of them killing all the characters off? I think killing all the characters off is unfortunately the right decision. Because uh-huh. I think there's a, a world we could live in where two or three of them could survive and be doing other rebel missions. And we kind of... in Within Rogue One, we cut to like, you know, five years later where, you know... During the Battle of Endor, you know, they're either there or they're, like, off somewhere else being, like, oh, here, here's the plans for sneaking into Darth Vader's, like, forced uh, camp, like, where they're building the new Death Star. And they get the new Death Star plans from these guys later on, which could be cute. But I do think killing them off is the right thing to do just because it's a great one-off suicide mission. You put them in the special editions, like, <laughs> you know, 
Cassian is shooting with Han Solo yep. and the end. She's like, pew, pew. pew it's pew. like, whoa, let me, do you remember this time when I did this, you know, five, yeah. six years ago? I, I get why they killed him off. I, I get it. But I would have liked to see Cassian and Jin run off and still survive. Mm-hmm. But I get, I get everything behind it. But the th- main thing with everyone dying is that this movie does feel sort of pointless. Like, it is a just, like, standalone movie altogether that has nothing else to connect with the overall Star Wars. The only point for it existing is to fix a plot hole in the New Hope, basically. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of feels weird that that's, like, so much effort and time was spent on kind of, like, a fan film. But also, if if they do survive and they do other things, then... It would feel like almost like a waste not to bring them back for future movies. I mean, which I they could they could have done, but yeah. I don't think they would have. I'm not saying they come back in like you know Force Awakens or Last Jedi or anything like that. But I feel like we could have you know originally when this came out, the spinoff movies were all going to be prequel stuff for all mm-hmm. the characters. I would have mind seeing them pop up here and there in those like. Yeah, I think I, there's something. I do, I do like, actually, if they did let uh, Cassian and Jin survive, if they are the people that delivered the second Death Star plans mm-hmm. to the Rebels, like the one in uh, Return of the Jedi, I think that could have been at least a good epilogue for this, to, if they did keep them alive, to show that they were still part of things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm in the middle, but I do think it was the right decision. All right. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But I would have liked to see it them survive mm-hmm. what so what was the next thing uh, you want to oh, you go over the kind of things that were in the script before because even with the reshoots there's still a lot of stuff that was like in the script that uh was left out like uh Jin's mom was possibly considered to be a uh, a former jedi yeah um i did see this i think they made the correct response of not making her a jedi and just being like a force uh sensor person yeah, i'm not she sure just, like believes in the religion of the force because if she was a jedi in hiding she would uh she probably wouldn't have married anybody because the whole point of the jedi is to not commit to f- emotions and physical attachments yeah no that's very true that just for the, that whole mm-hmm. that rule alone i think definitely gives it enough power to not make her a force user yeah and also like you the whole time you would be wondering is Jin force sensitive? Like, could she be doing stuff like that? And, you know, it would bring up with like Donnie and be like, Oh, I feel strong. And then it sort of just sets up for you waiting for that to pay off. And then mm-hmm. when it doesn't, you just feel a little like blue balled. Yeah. It would be weird. Uh, I think they did the right thing with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well then Bodhi was also supposed to be, when he was captured by Saw Gerrera, he actually wasn't supposed to be brainwashed. He just over time developed Stockholm syndrome yeah. and grew to like, saw and his men's uh ways of doing things which i think would have been the wrong decision yeah uh because it's it's not it's not good that his brain got sucked out but it's worse if he gets a kidnapped kidnappers complex yeah and again it just goes against the whole theme of the movie which is trust Mm -hmm. because saw he's telling the truth and in the movie and saw just doesn't believe him he doesn't trust, trust him. But with this, in this version, you know, you get it. You captured this guy. Like, and then Bodhi is just like, 
Stockholm Syndrome, which is like really dark because you're rooting for Bodhi now to get Stockholm yeah, Syndrome. Yeah, it's, it's basically just like, oh, it's a good thing that you got kidnapped and now you like these people because it would be better if, you know, Bodhi, the way that he at least does, grows to love the team because he's a part of the team. Right. Exactly. Uh, and he's the one who gets to say, this is Rogue One. Is he the one who can say Rogue yeah, One? Yeah. yeah. Roll credits. Roll credits. Because <laughs> that's, that's what makes me think that Bodhi had a lot more to do in the script and possibly before the reshoots, is that he's the one who gets to say Rogue One. <laughs> it's in his contract. Yeah, because he, he probably had you know, more to do to be like, I'm part of the team now. Yeah, honestly, I can mm-hmm. see that. I think, the, honestly, the coolest thing for me that was in the script that didn't get shot, coolest thing, but also the right decision not to do, is that Krennic, Krennic, Krennic oh, yes. uh, was actually supposed to be killed by Darth Vader instead of the Death Star, where at some point, uh, Krennic, after they fired the Death Star, he gets picked up by an Imperial ship, gets brought back on board, and Darth Vader shows up and is like, you failed, and he gets killed at the hands of Vader, which would, you know, cycle back to that first scene where he almost gets choked by him. Mm-hmm. But it's not quite as thematically interesting as him getting killed by his own creation. Yep, exactly. That's the biggest thing. It's just like he's built this up. He uh, knows what the power is, and that's what ends up killing him. It is, like, poetic more than Vader just being like, you failed me for the last time. Yeah. Oh, my God. If they had put that in the film, people would have groaned so hard. <laughs> no, yeah, I, th- I think they made the right choices with that kind of stuff. Well, right-ish, because I still... There's still other things they could have done better. Yeah, no, I totally agree. But yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, that's all for me too. Um, this uh, we had a lot to say, and there was a lot to tackle, and I uh, I still like the film, but there is also parts that they missed potential on. I feel no, like. yeah, I mean, I'm still a big fan of Star Wars, and I I appreciate the feeling that people can have where you can you can love something and also acknowledge when there are problems with it. Yep, I completely agree. So uh, until then, uh, I hope the force is with you as you like and subscribe. Yes, please. To this podcast. Uh, yes, please make sure to go follow, uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, um, and subscribe to the podcast, please. We are like a startup podcast, so every little thing goes a long way for us. Uh, if you have the time, please do it. It means a lot. And thanks again for listening. Um, may the force be with you. And also with you. <laughs> See you guys. Bye.